Hello, and welcome back to Grounds and Leaves Theology. I'm Ashley, and I'm here with my co-host and husband, Joshua Cretchen. Thank you for joining us again and listening to today's episode, episode four. Yeah, so today the topic is I'm not really sure how to describe it, but in comparison to our other episodes, you may say it's one of the more theological ones. And what I just mean by that is the previous episodes have had pretty personal notes for both of us. But in this episode, we're delving more into kind of the abstract world of theology and trying to figure out what the Bible says here. So the issue that I am referring to is spiritual gifts yeah and in preparation for this episode we both thought it would be fun to take a spiritual gift quiz which of course is not an exact science it's just a quiz on the internet and despite that they're typically required in most bible college classes that is true yes we both (laughs) yeah i did like a whole paper based on these kind of quizzes true and i mean we both of us love quizzes <laughs> kind of <laughs> we did a lot of them towards the beginning of our relationship especially and i mean i i do actually have a couple quibbles with these spiritual gifts tests but we'll get into that but right now as Ashley said it's just kind of fun to dive into what does the internet think god has gifted me to do <laughs> <laughs> and honestly um, I think with my results, I actually do agree with it. Sure. Because, of, like, the questions it asked, I do think it was a pretty accurate representation of how I see myself in the Christian community and how I see that God has gifted me. But sure. for fun, let's talk about our top three one, three that we were given on these quizzes. <laughs> right. Sure. Did you want to go first? Sure. All right. So, my third gift... All right, so we're going in ascending yes, order. Yes, we're going in ascending order, ending at the top gift. Hmm. So, my third gift is shepherding. Twins. <laughs> okay, so both of our third gift is shepherding. Yeah. Which, for me, I can see it, I think, in a smaller scale, like... I'm not one that goes and stands and preaches in front of people, but in a small group or something, I am willing and open to be kind of a, a teaching role. Sure. And I think shepherding does go beyond that element of teaching, which Mm -hmm. is a part of it. Uh, Just kind of connecting with people in a spiritual way too and guiding them in their spiritual walk. Yeah. Showing guidance and care, I think kind of Mm -hmm. go into that and so obviously for me uh where shepherding comes into play is as most of our listeners will know i am heading into pastoral ministry i mean at some point here but that's been (laughs) uh the trajectory of my life for quite a number of years and so i can certainly see how shepherding would be a valid assessment of Mm -hmm. at least one gift i may have yeah and i think even though shepherding is both of our third gift you can see it portrayed in different ways Mm -hmm. like as you'll be able to see with my other gifts the more people oriented and 
mm. walking with people in their faith yeah. shows itself in my other two gifts, whereas the mm. pastor, the pastoral part of shepherding will show itself in your other two gifts. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really helpful distinction to make because I feel like sometimes we equate these gifts and then how the a particular function. So for example, someone you say some might say, okay, someone has the gift of teaching, therefore they should be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's not immediately true. Yeah. Not at all, right? You can have the gift of teaching, but it may uh, have, you may have your primary function with that in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. So that is yeah. a very helpful note. Yeah, for sure. All right. So moving on to my second one. Yes. My second highest is serving. So <laughs> one of my weaknesses. <laughs> and that's another, like, that is something I've noticed with these quizzes we've taken is that my gifts are very complementary to yours. Whatever I am strong in, maybe what you're weak in and whatever you're strong in is what I'm weak in. Mm. And we do have some similarities like in the shepherding. Yeah. But it's still different in a way that complements each other. Right. As husband and wife. But sure. yes, serving <laughs> <laughs> serving is my more people-motivated yeah. gifting sure. as well. Yeah, <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. Then in terms of my second gift, well, this may be somewhat more controversial here, but according to the test, at least, I got prophecy as um, my gift. And so, of course, uh, which spiritual gift tests you take online will differ in terms of their own views about whether things like prophecy are still valid for today. And so this Mm -hmm. test obviously was operating under the assumption that it is valid. It did make the distinction in the the description, though, that it's not about predicting the future. It's more about discerning sin in a person or in society and then calling it out and calling for repentance. Yes, and in that way, I can definitely see that in you and in (laughs) your sermons because you do not shy away from calling people out i mean that's one of the purposes of this podcast as well yeah yeah exactly to address things that christians struggle with or the sin that they have so yeah yeah, i can definitely see that in you yeah plays out in a lot of ways for sure (laughs) yes okay now moving on to our top spiritual gifts yes so my top gift and this has been like throughout most of the quizzes that i've taken Mm -hmm. well as well as serving has been at the top as well but my top gift is mercy showing Mm -hmm. so like empathy being able to again relate to people and walk with them through their struggles in life or just just walk with them through their life yeah and also just in terms of you know forgiveness not holding grudges against people i know i tend to have a rather pessimistic view of people (laughs) yes again Uh, another way that we compliment each other because i think mercy showing was also also one one of your lower ones yeah it it certainly is so uh not something that comes to me supernaturally uh but yeah so i can definitely see how you are able to approach people regardless of possible wrong they've done or mm. um, even against you and then try to approach them with an attitude of forgiveness and understanding showing compassion rather than immediately 
get away from me, you sinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So I can definitely see that in you. And I really appreciate how that also helps, again, in that complementary role in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Then in terms of my top quiz result for spiritual gifts, teaching. And mm-hmm. I mean... Surprise, surprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was fully expecting that, not only because that's been my result on the past few <laughs> quizzes I've taken, it's yeah. pretty consistent, uh, but also because personally that has been confirmed by multiple people in my life, whether it be my parents, you, professors, mm-hmm. people who have heard me preach. So I can definitely see that this is the primary way in which God has gifted me. Yeah, I would even be so bold as to say that it's been confirmed by God. Like mm. just all the opportunities you've gotten to preach, yeah. the confidence you have in pursuing being a pads- pastor and just how things yeah. have worked out too. So even though these quizzes are like, oh, it's a little online quiz. Who knows if it's accurate? Yeah, I I would say... That our results were accurate, sure. at least for the top three. Yeah. Because yeah. I see them both in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then, so knowing what our spiritual gifts are, you obviously are already pursuing ministry in the church yep. and how to use your spiritual gifts mm-hmm. for God in being a pastor, in shepherding. Yeah. And then... For me, it shows where I could be in a church. Mm-hmm. Like, very people, very um, a people-motivated work. Yeah. Leading a Bible study, working with kids, youth, just mm-hmm. being there for people in their lives, serving them, empathizing with them. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why knowing your spiritual gift is so important. Exactly. It shows you where you can serve in the church mm-hmm. uh, best, that is. Yes. Right? And PSA, you should be serving in the church. If you're not, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, like, these things, they're gifts, spiritual gifts. Mm. If you're not using it, you don't get a gift and never use it. Right. You well, need to use it. I, that brings to mind the one parable Jesus told of the talents or the bakes of money, depending mm-hmm. on uh, which... Uh, gospel or translation you're reading but yeah that there was that one servant who instead of taking the money he was given by his master and using it or even putting it in the bank to get interest yeah uh he buried it under the ground because he was scared of his master and that is a a completely wrong approach to the Mm -hmm. christian life certain people are gifted more and some people are gifted less and we're all gifted differently but what you have been given by god you should first of all discern what it is as Mm -hmm. we've talked about And then use it for God and his kingdom and his people. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's get into kind of talking about spiritual gifts in general, because not Mm -hmm. like some people may not know what exactly we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with a general definition. What are spiritual gifts? All right. So biblically, if you want to, find the passages, at least the primary ones that you talk about these spiritual gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 14. 13 is related, just it's not explicitly about the different gifts. Uh, And then I believe 1 Peter 
4 mentions them a little bit too. So those are some passages if you want to look them up later to help broaden your knowledge and deepen your knowledge too on this subject. Uh, but just in terms of what a spiritual gift is, it is a certain ability that God has given to a believer uh, that will enable him to serve him or her that is to serve the church better and so gifts i mean all of us have certain competencies in relation to what we might call some of the gifts like teaching even not everyone's a teacher but all of us have a certain competency and a certain ability to relay information and teach people mm-hmm. but some people are better at right yeah. right and so that's the distinction in a gift you're not you don't have just basic competency but you have a special ability to do this that has been granted by god okay and so that's how i would define a spiritual gift okay all right so let's talk about how gifts are seen today Mm -hmm. so like kind of their perception by christians today is that what you're getting at yes well of course it's going to depend on the christian right yes Uh, because very true this is one of the more highly debated uh points Mm -hmm. of theology among christians and understandably so like it's quite honestly personally been one that i've been wrestling through for quite some time so i can understand why there are these different points of view regarding uh, the gifts and what people think of them so i do think sometimes and this may be part of our western culture again we have a tendency to hold spiritual gifts in disdain because again we don't like spiritual things we like things that we can <laughs> uh, rationalize that are material that we can grasp and hold on to and fully understand in our minds so even with teaching and when we talk about a spiritual gift we might just want to describe it in terms of well he got really good training so you know he's built up his own ability to do this on his own merit in a way and we then with that we failed to acknowledge that God is the one who is given these gifts uh, so that's one kind of perception I think it also gets held in disdain due to this whole uh, thing you could refer to as hypercharismania <laughs> I think hypercharismatic uh, stuff which you see in churches like Bethel mm. and the like uh, especially in the states I think less so in Canada uh, but yeah just these people who are emphasizing that these gifts and their function in the church is absolutely central and is almost the pinnacle of the Christian faith this is what Christianity looks like it looks like these uh, speak- times of speaking in tongues and these uh, spontaneous prophecies spontaneous moves of the spirit and with that there's a lot of hyper emotionalism you might say in that so i do think we can sometimes view these gifts as just really it's the result of being too emotional in a way and there's a confusion between what's spiritual and what's emotional and then often with those hyper charismatics there is an association also with just false doctrine a lot of the time too because it does often go hand in hand with prosperity gospel theology so you know name it and claim it health wealth all Mm. that stuff Uh, so because of their relationship all the gifts uh, especially 
the more miraculous display ones you might want to say are held in contempt by a lot of Christians. One other way I see these perceptions playing out also, to give a recent example, the Jesus Revolution movie, which uh, was pretty popular, but also a little bit controversial among some people. Um, mm -hmm. Personally, just as a, a sidebar and a caveat, I would say that if you're going to make a judgment on the Jesus Revolution, you really have to understand the historical movement that the movie is based off of. Mm -hmm. like because is the movie trying to present its own message or is it just trying to relay the atmosphere of this historical movement from the 70s, right? And so if it's the latter, if it's just trying to show you what this historical event looked like, then you have to evaluate the movie on the basis of that history and rather than just as a film in itself. But in that film, we did see Lonnie Frisbee, who was a man that Chuck Smith brought into his church and he preached a lot, but then he also started to do uh, some healings or exorcisms or and he called himself a prophet, right? And so that certainly in itself set a lot of people off. And even as I was watching in, in it in the theater, I remember being slightly uncomfortable as I was seeing these things play out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was a little discomfort that was brought up by that. But it was interesting to see when Chuck Smith confronted Lonnie about these things that he told him to cut it out with the theatrics, mm. right? And, well, I found that interesting for two reasons. Uh, one, my home church is a Calvary chapel, and they certainly do believe in the continuance of miracles, prophecies, and the like today. So mm -hmm. I was surprised to see the founder uh, seeming to have such an, an issue with Lonnie doing these things. And, of course, there was more to it than mm -hmm. that right because yeah. we saw Lonnie's deep and problematic pride uh, also playing out in that but the other way it surprised me is just noting that theatrics is how most people I think in our culture perceive the spiritual gifts it's just theatrics mm. right yeah and so those are a few different perceptions I think we ha can have now are they accurate are they biblical well that's what we're going to try to get down to in this episode. And I think that's where people need to be cautious. Yeah. Is, yes, God has given you a gift, but remember that it's God who has given you the gift. Right. So keeping humility in that. Right? Yes. Uh, one of the passages about spiritual gifts in Romans 12, actually, Paul said, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, mm -hmm. but in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've already kind of alluded to these more charismatic mm -hmm. gifts like prophecy, miracles, and speaking in tongues. First of all, let's clarify what speaking in tongues is Okay, sure. for anyone who may not know. Right. Well, you'll often see critics of the whole speaking in tongues thing on the internet say that in the Bible, speaking in tongues is speaking in a known language that another person can understand and that will, you know, bring an edifying or gospel message to them. And they'll often point to Acts 2, in which the Holy Spirit comes on the apostles and the 120 uh, disciples who are gathered there and they begin speaking in tongues and everyone who's there, who's journeyed to Jerusalem, regardless of their ethnicity and language, they're able to understand these foreigners. And so they'll often point to that and say, this is what speaking in tongues needs to look like and they'll 
from that deny any claim that speaking in tongues can be a heavenly unknown human language or uh, something to that effect however if you go to first corinthians 14 paul talks there about how the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to god and no one understands what they say mm. so he actually says that uh, in the first few verses and i think that's um a, ba a basis from which we can say that speaking in tongues doesn't necessarily have to be this uh, language that's immediately known to the people around us. Yeah. However, if you are going to do it in public, <laughs> what Paul does say is you need an interpreter, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So it can be this known human language that will communicate to someone you otherwise wouldn't be able to communicate to because they're a foreigner, or it can be this unknown ton, this heavenly language, if you will, that can be for you and God privately, but if it's going to be public, then you need the interpreter, according to scripture. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Because it's not supposed to be like a chaotic thing, right? No. I know you've said that before. Yeah, because again, 1 Corinthians 14, it's a passage really a lot of Christians need to read these days, but <laughs> God is not a God of disorder, mm -hmm. uh, but of peace, right? And everything needs to be done fittingly and in order. And he says that if there is people who speak in tongues, they need an interpreter and speak one at a time. Don't all speak at yeah. once. So all of these kind of mass things where you hear people shouting, well, nonsense to us at, at least, at the very least is an abuse of the spiritual mm -hmm. gift. And I, I should actually with that, say this too when you do see stuff like that it doesn't automatically mean that it's not an actual spiritual gift because paul is writing to the corinthians to correct the same problem and they are christians and he never denies that this is an actual spiritual gift they're exercising okay. they're just doing it wrongly and so while it could be more problematic especially especially if you find these displays associated with false teaching of some sort but in itself it could simply be just an abuse of what the spiritual gift is supposed to be okay so following this kind of train of thought mm -hmm. i know some people believe that you need to speak in tongues to be saved yeah a few of them that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh and well no <laughs> that is, short answer no short answer no no that's blatantly wrong i would go so far as to say that that would be heresy even oh wow okay. just because of how it does destroy the believer's assurance and what god's grace does for them right yeah. that's mm -hmm. it's stupid don't do that don't say that <laughs> and like if you want a verse to kind of uh, justify that position that no speaking in tongues is not necessary to be saved you can go again to one of the passages, 1 Corinthians 12. And this is what Paul says in verses 27 and then, yeah, reading down through 30. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? So these are rhetorical questions. And in Greek, you can actually phrase a rhetorical question in such a way that how it's phrased will determine if the answer is supposed to be yes or no. 
Mm. And so in the Greek here, it's phrased in such a, such a way that you can understand the answer is no to each of these rhetorical questions. Mm. So are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. <laughs> are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts in, of healing? Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all mm. interpret? So that passage really shows that it was not an expectation uh, of the church of believers that they were to speak in tongues in order to demonstrate their salvation. And in fact, Paul will go on in chapter 14 to say that he would rather the Corinthians prophesy than speak in tongues. Now that's a strange thing to say if speaking in tongues is the be all and end all of what uh, marks you out as a true believer. So uh, that's what I would say to that issue. Okay. Um, so now that we've covered speaking in tongues, yeah. kind of referring to the charismatic gifts in general, like prophecy, miracles, and tongues. Yeah. Well, we've already talked about tongues a little bit, but do these still happen today? And are there specific conditions that need to happen? Okay. So... This is a question that I've really been wrestling through over the past while. And I mean, I have a naturally skeptical personality, and so that might uh, contribute to it as well. But I'm also skeptical because of those hyper charismatics who are really a plague on our society, I think. And mm -hmm. I think they do harm, not just to the name of Christ, but even to how we might properly understand certain biblical issues because we have a tendency to be reactionary mm -hmm. right and so yeah i i've always been naturally skeptical however personally as i've been thinking through it i would say that biblically yes the gifts can and do continue today it's a cautious yes mm -hmm. uh, but a yes nevertheless but even with that i would still say that while those more miraculous gifts do continue it's in a lesser amount. It's not mm -hmm. as frequent. Yeah. And the reason for that is because things like prophecy or tongues had a very specific function uh, towards the beginning of the New Testament being compiled and the gospel message going out after Jesus' death. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of miracles such as that was to confirm the message of the gospel. So, like, they weren't purposeless. It wasn't for nothing. God was acting at a distinct point in time to show, yes, this is truly my son and these are truly my messengers, so believe what they are saying to you. Mm. And so because that was the primary purpose of these gifts, I think they are less frequent these days. However, knowing that they do have this other purpose of edifying the church when they are properly used at least, mm -hmm. I do think there is still a function for them to play today. With that, though, I would say the one caveat I will make is I do not believe there are any apostles today. Because an apostle in scripture had to have three criteria. Mm. They had to be a witness of Jesus and his ministry. They had to be appointed by Jesus, because not everyone who saw Jesus was automatically an apostle. Mm -hmm. Jesus yeah. appointed the twelve. He appointed Paul in his vision. So both a witness and appointed by Jesus himself. And then apostles also have to work miracles. According okay. to 2 Corinthians 12, Paul calls those the signs of a true apostle. So that was kind of a way for them to authenticate their claim to apostleship. And I don't 
believe there is anyone alive today who can claim all three of those things. Yeah. Right? For and sure. and if there were, we would know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One other thing I will say is that while I have come to the conclusion that the Bible allows for these kind of gifts to continue today, I can understand where those we call cessationists who believe these gifts like prophecy miracles have ceased. I can totally understand where they're coming from and I do understand their concerns. So it's a conversation I'm willing to keep having as we continue studying the scripture. Okay. Yeah. Now for the second part of your question about if there are certain conditions that need to be met for these supernatural, miraculous, charismatic, whatever you want to call it, these kind of gifts to happen. Uh, could you just elaborate a little more what you mean by that? Yeah. So like with speaking in tongues, you said that it can't be chaotic. That's mm. the kind of conditions that I was thinking. Okay. Well, again, with all spiritual gifts, that principle of orderliness would certainly mm -hmm. apply. And Paul makes the same uh, note with regard to prophecies. Everyone speak in turn. Sit down if, you, if the next person's up. And so, yeah, don't be disrup disruptive. Uh, and that's not a condition for uh, the gift to be used. It's a condition for it to be used rightly. Right. So with regard to prophecy, again, I really think a lot of people these days are too quick to say the Lord said to me or the Lord told me, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, thus saith the Lord is a weighty matter. And God holds accountable those who presume to speak in his name when mm, he has not yeah. sent them. So that's a really serious matter. So it's not something you want to take on lightly. And if there's an element of doubt in your mind about whether that this is truly God's word uh, for the church, like, don't. <laughs> Mm. Don't operate in these spiritual gifts if you have notes of doubt in your mind about them. Mm. Everything yeah. should be done in faith. All our actions, and including our operation of spiritual gifts, should be done in good faith. That this is, and good confidence that God truly has given me this gift and I'm going to now give it to the church. Now just to answer perhaps one of the main hesitancies our listeners might have when I speak of something like prophecy is the concern about, well, isn't scripture complete? And isn't it sufficient? Don't we have all we need in scripture? And so if you say prophecy, sometimes people immediately equate it to you thinking that the text of scripture can be supplemented, right? Mm. But having a prophecy doesn't automatically equate to you having scripture. Oh, yeah. Be yeah. Because we have references to a number of prophets or prophetesses in the Old and New Testaments, and we don't have everything they said, mm, right? True. They yeah. prophesied, but just because they prophesied didn't automatically equate to it then being recorded in Scripture for God's church for all time. Mm. And so I don't think there's a reason to equate the two, and so I don't think there's a valid basis for a concern there. As much as I understand where they're coming from, I think that's a helpful way to think about it and a distinction to make between prophecy, which might be for a certain individual or very local problem, or prophecy also in terms of exposing sin again, right? Exposing the reality of a person's heart doesn't automatically equate to scripture. And so that's what I would say to that concern. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've been talking about 
charismatic gifts and even though this isn't a gift i think it's something that we need to bring up yeah you've talked about this mm-hmm. i'm not sure that i quite know exactly what it is still so that's mm-hmm. being slain in the spirit yeah. so first let's just let's describe what that is sure exactly because some people may not have heard of it like me a baptist girl <laughs> right <laughs> really heard of it much (laughs) yeah fair and it wasn't i mean same right like i've never seen a case of this supposedly happening i've uh closest has been i've heard it uh, secondhand from someone uh one of my bible quizzing tournaments actually supposedly this happened to him oh at least that was the claim uh but essentially what it is is when you are worshiping god primarily so primarily in a worship setting you become overwhelmed by the spirit of god to the point that you black out and fall down oh my so at least that's the best way i can describe what i understand of it so that's essentially what it is but as to the question of is it really from god i'm i'm gonna say no (laughs) well yeah because this goes back to the chaos thing Mm -hmm. like what purpose because speaking in tongues serves a purpose yes to share the gospel or like it has different purposes Mm -hmm. but blacking out and falling down i don't see what purpose that would ever have no exactly and that is my primary (laughs) problem uh with this whole experience thing besides that we never get any testimony of something like this happening in the scripture closest would be Eutychus falling asleep when Paul is preaching and falling down and dying <laughs> from the building but you get uh, nothing even close to an actual yeah. parallel to it in scripture it's not listed in any of the gifts passages so that yeah. makes me hesitant about it too but then yeah as you said what purpose of edification could that ever have you say maybe someone will say well it just shows you know God it was Uh, really powerfully working in this person's life and that can be encouraging to those around who see it but you know the corinthians could have said the same thing about when they were speaking in tons out of order chaos like oh look a god has shown up here but that's not a valid enough uh, reason according to scripture it has to have a specific and direct purpose of edifying believers and Mm -hmm. being slain in the spirit it it doesn't i i feel like it kind of circles back around to what you were talking about in being overly emotional and I think that tends to happen a lot especially in worship Mm -hmm. because music is powerful it makes you feel feelings Mm -hmm. but you can't confuse feelings with the Holy Spirit working that's true and it's not that Emotions are bad or that worship should be unemotional. Oh, for sure. Right. Like, that's not what we're saying because I have to say that because some people basically uh, <laughs> do. And it's, again, this kind of overreaction to the mm. hyper-emotionalism. But you're right. We have to be careful that, you know, emotions don't dictate our worship experience and that we don't let them control us. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what's happening in a case of being slain in the spirit. Now, I'm going to say something kind of controversial, oh, but boy. we'll see <laughs> we'll see what you think. Sure. Do you think that being slain in the spirit mm-hmm. would ever be demonic? Right. Now, with all these things, 
we shouldn't be quick to say that something's demonic. And I think we kind of yeah. uh, tackled that idea in our last episode too, when True, we were talking yeah. about anxiety, right? We don't want to be quick to assert that, especially in something like a spiritual gift, which mm-hmm. could just be being abused by the believers. That doesn't automatically make it demonic. Yeah. But again, is it possible? Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't That's... dismiss it, but don't assume it. Yeah, exactly. And so you do want to be discerning. And I, I will say that while it can be emotionalism, something like being slain in the spirit, almost being overtaken, is very reminiscent of old stories of how demons operated through like pagan deities. Just to give the example of prophecies. God would give his prophets a word. He would put his words in their mouth, right? But his spirit never possessed them and was like uh, speaking through them in that sense. Mm. They always had full control of their faculties. And Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 14.32, the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. In other words, the prophet is control of himself. And so they can't blame their uh, chaos on God acting because mm. you have self-control to use it. Is <laughs> essentially <laughs> what Paul's getting at there. And again, uh, sorry, but the parallel of pagan deities or if you have a priest or a priestess in a pagan temple often they would become possessed supposedly by the deity who we really know is were demons Mm -hmm. and then they they would convulse sometimes foam at the mouth and then they would speak forth the oracle that the god had for the petitioner so something like being overtaken is it is a little more reminiscent of demonic activity but again, we're going to want to be uh, careful that we yeah. don't automatically go to that conclusion. And one of the better ways, I think, to tell whether something might be inspired demonically is, okay, what's this person's doctrine? What do they believe about Jesus? Can they, you know, honestly, honestly say Jesus is Lord. He is God who came in the flesh and just examining them on the basis of true and right teaching. Okay. I think that's the lesson we get from a book like First John. Mm, okay so since we're already talking about demons yeah they come up a lot in our episodes don't they they do don't they <laughs> one of these days we'll have to do a full episode on them yeah that'll, that'll be interesting <laughs> <laughs> so relating demons with our spiritual gifts topic mm-hmm. is exorcism a spiritual gift that people have right and so uh, I feel like I might be a little unpopular with uh, my take here. Oh. But the reason I wanted to talk about exorcism and its relation in the whole category of spiritual gifts is because not because we get it listed in those spiritual gift passages I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. like Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and the like, but rather it's because if you go to the gospel accounts, when Jesus sends out his apostles, he gives them authority to expel demons and with that also to heal diseases mm-hmm. and you know speak uh prophetically of his kingdom and so kind of these other miraculous gifts seem tied in with the authority jesus gives in telling his disciples go expel demons raise the dead heal the sick so then would those kind of things like exercise demons heal the sick mm-hmm. all those we were talking about apostles earlier and how they need to have these criteria. So yeah. 
was it only the apostles that can exercise demons mm -hmm. or can Christians today do that? Yeah. And this is the question I was going for. Actually, yeah. Right. And this really came to light as I was studying for a presentation in my theology and psychology class uh, the one time. And it was on the issue of whether Christians can be possessed or not. Mm. Um, well, no, just for our listeners, I'm going to say no. So, you know, so that they don't freak out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but uh, with that, this issue came up because he was talking about how, you know, Christians or the author I was responding to was talking about how Christians should should be exercising demons today. And I looked at that passage. I'm like, well, actually, if you're going to say that. Because it's based on that text. Uh, where Jesus sends out the 12 and says, I give you authority to do this. Mm. And we tend to think, well, therefore, all Christians have authority to drive out demons today. But if you want to be consistent with how you interpret the text, that me also means that, that all Christians, yeah, that all Christians have the authority to heal, to raise the dead even <laughs> in the context. Whoa. And so, Yikes. which, no, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> no. Don't, we, don't, we yeah. don't have that kind of, authority which is pretty evident that you know you and i could go to a grave and command someone to come out of it but we ha we don't have that Nothing's authority <laughs> right and even if you want to say that uh, certain people do have the gift of healing today that's different than saying every believer has authority mm, to go and yeah. do these things right yeah and even people who did have the gift of healing like the apostles right they were healing people. Didn't mean they healed everyone. Like there were people, True. they yeah. left sick. And even Jesus, when he was on earth, he went to that one man at the pool of Bethesda that one time who was lame for 38 years, I think it was. And he healed him, but he, the text doesn't record him healing anyone else who was in that vicinity. And so oh, yeah. uh, there was a certain purpose to the healing ministry of the apostles back then, and it was selective. Like, he, they he did heal a lot of people and they drove out a lot of demons, but not universally, if you want to use that term. And so, all that to say is, I don't actually think that Christians should be going around and commanding G demons to come out in Jesus' name today. Mm. Because I don't think the authority translates. Now, can you present the gospel and trust in that power? to do its work and to demolish demonic strongholds? Yes. Can you pray and fast for someone who is under demonic oppression or possession and ask God to deliver them from that? Absolutely. I just don't think that the authority for direct exorcism translates to Christians today. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So to kind of start wrapping things up here, mm -hmm. How would someone discern their own spiritual gift? Right. Well, let me say that I don't think those tests are the best way. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think our tendency to use those tests as the definitive marker of what your spiritual gift is, is a result of the individualism of our culture. Mm. We'll find it out for ourselves is kind of the <laughs> attitude we approach him, but I don't think that's a right or a biblical mindset. I really do believe that spiritual gifts should be discerned in community. How mm. uh, do God's people see you gifted in? When you're serving, where do you best function? Where are you most helpful? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I really think we need to combat this 
individualist individualistic mindset and okay let's actually start serving the church and see where we Mm -hmm. uh, can best fit and best help out yeah because it's not prideful to be like yeah i'm good at this no this is what i'm gifted at right it is prideful when you stop recognizing that it's from god right and it goes back to that verse again in romans 12 do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. You can think of yourselves correctly, though, mm-hmm. in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you and acknowledge that. So, yeah, you're right. That's not prideful at all. Mm-hmm. We just need to recognize it comes from God and not use it for our own glory, but for God's glory and for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. I've heard the quote before that humbleness is not thinking too highly of yourself, but it's also not thinking too lowly of yourself yeah so in other words thinking correctly right like you said humility humility is not self-deprecation yeah (laughs) there's a there's a difference between Mm -hmm. the two absolutely yeah for sure Mm -hmm. so some of the gifts are also just commands in the bible like for mercy showing Mm -hmm. that's my top gift but we're also told to show mercy yes so how do we find the balance of recognizing i'm not great at this Mm -hmm. but i'm commanded to do it yeah how do we Mm -hmm. find that for sure balance (laughs) so and again this is my other quibble (laughs) with these uh, online spiritual gift tests same one same type of thing actually one of my friends our friends brought up about personality test once blake Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about his problem with personality tests being that they give you all these traits and then you can look at it and think, oh, I'm a, a jerk here because that's just my personality. And so you can almost use those that personality test mm-hmm. to justify as excuses. Right, as excuses and, and as an excuse to not grow as a person and to just mm-hmm. uh, be rude and not mature. And similarly with the spiritual gift test online, you might think, oh, well, that's just my weak spot. So it doesn't matter if mm-hmm. I ignore it and don't try to grow in it or don't seek to engage it. But yeah, that's a wrong attitude and a wrong mm-hmm. approach to life. Because yeah. again, besides mercy being listed as a spiritual gift in Romans 12, Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful for mm-hmm. they will be shown mercy. So yeah. you, no, this is something you can't set aside. And even with like my top gift of teaching, it, maybe it's not uh, your top gift, but to a certain extent, you have to teach in as much as you are called to share the gospel with others, mm-hmm. right? All Christians yeah. are called to do that. And so all Christians are called in a certain aspect, in a certain way to teach, at least to some extent, even if that's not their primary gift or their primary function. And so, again, I, I do think that uh, you're top spiritual gift in terms of what you're better at and what you're not so good at is going to play out mostly in what actual capacity you serve in. And so since I believe teaching is my top gift, it's going to play out in me preaching the text of scripture Mm -hmm. to people. And so while everyone may be called to teach to some extent, not everyone is called to preach in the pulpit. Yeah. And so that's a, a helpful distinction I think we can approach with. But we can also acknowledge that what we may not be 
<laughs> exceptionally gifted in, we can still grow in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe mercy isn't my strongest thing, but I can grow in it and seek uh, God in that and still seek to be obedient in it. So someone can be exceptionally merciful, but all of us have to strive to at least be obedient in not holding grudges over mm-hmm. those who have wronged us, right? Yeah, and I think that's another way in relationships where like you always think of complementary personalities, but if you think about complementary spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. well, my top is mercy showing it's one of your bottoms so i can help you always be aware of that and yeah be able to show that mercy exactly all all the gifts and all the members of christ's body the church are meant to function together and to help mm-hmm. one another mm-hmm. we suffer together we rejoice together we grow together mm-hmm. yeah 100%. And I mean, in a marriage relationship, that should be especially true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So when you're discerning gifts, can you have multiple gifts? <laughs> I mean, I guess we have like those top three things, but... Yeah, I'm, I certainly do think it's possible. Paul actually told the Corinthians to try to excel specifically in the gifts that build up the church. So mm. right there, he seems to indicate you can seek out gifts that you may not necessarily have. You can mm-hmm. grow in the ones oh, uh, that you currently have. That seems to be the implication of the text there. So again, read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. They are super helpful passages for dealing with this question. And I mean, even with the apostles, all the apostles were probably the most gifted <laughs> of <laughs> all Christians because they had apostleship. They were you know, prophetic, at least to a certain extent. They were teachers and they were performing miracles. So they obviously had multiple. And I think uh, individual members of Christ's body may also have multiple. And that you can pray for ones you may not have and grow in the ones you do have. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll be granted ones. Like it's up to God. Mm -hmm. He will distribute them as he wills. And you're not going to get all of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But you certainly can have more than one. But just seek God in that. Mm. Yeah. So would you say that all Christians get some form of a spiritual gift? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah? 100 yeah, 100%. And again, it could, it will look different between Christian and Christian to go back to the parable of the talents. One person was given 5 bags of money, another person 2 bags of money, and the one person just one bag. So the capacities God may give to people may be more, they may be less, and they'll be different, but all people have been given something. All, okay. all Christians, I should say, have been given some spiritual gift. And so all Christians, it is their duty, I believe, to discern what that is and then use it for the church. Okay. So would there be a hierarchy of gifts? Like this gift is more special than the other one or something now i have a really unpopular take on this and it's because i think our world our society views all hierarchies as evil Mm -hmm. they think hierarchy itself problematic so there can't be hierarchy and anything but uh there does seem to be a hierarchy of some sort in terms of spiritual gifts like even that text i read earlier from first corinthians 12 verse 28 god has placed in the church first of all 
apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. And then he goes on from there. Okay, so that's like definitely a hierarchy. Yeah, it's a specific order he's given. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that, I, I will say it's not a matter of whether you're valuable to the body of Christ. It's not a measure of your value as a believer. But some gifts are just more useful in terms of edification. Hmm. So speaking in tongues is actually put towards the bottom of that list because it's only useful for edification if there's an interpreter, Mm, right? Whereas prophecy, it's immediately understood Mm -hmm. and the edification is much more practical just in that sense. So you could maybe call it a hierarchy of edification. But even with this hierarchy of edification... The point of 1 Corinthians 13 is to show that it doesn't matter if you have the gift of gifts or as or multiple and you're exceedingly good at them. If you don't have love, it's pointless, mm. right? So all of this has to be uh, done in love. That is the most excellent way. So if you want to uh, serve the body of Christ, whatever your gift is, then do it in love. Mm. So if there's a hierarchy of gifts mm-hmm. are some christians kind of better than <laughs> others like how do you kind of mm-hmm. equate a hierarchy of gifts and then the people themselves i guess right well we know from scripture that every part of the body is uh, valuable hmm. and you know paul makes the analogy that the eye can't say because i'm not an ear i'm not a part of the body i'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> That attitude should just be dismissed. It doesn't matter what part you are. God has placed you there for a reason. And Mm -hmm. you have a function to play that is important and valuable uh, to the church. It's just in terms of the benefit to the body. Sometimes certain gifts are more direct about it, if you want to put it that way. Because like every part of my body has a function. But my digestive system, if you want to put it that way, is more direct in giving me nutrients I need Mm -hmm. to go about my day. So... To stretch out the body analogy, every part is important, is valuable. No part should be dismissed for whatever their gift is. I think some are just uh, more direct in the benefit that they give to the church. And so that's what Mm. I mean by that hierarchy of edification. The benefit they bring is simply more direct. Okay, that makes sense. So like you're going to become a pastor. So you're going to be directly like, teaching and preaching Mm -hmm. so that it's more noticeable in that way me as your wife even though i'm not like that's not my job that's not how i'm gonna make a living Mm -hmm. i'm still gonna be a crucial part in supporting you and in that way that's how i'm involved still important but yeah just more behind the scenes sure if you will right yeah i think that's a good way of looking at it and again that doesn't uh, degrade the role you have to play mm-hmm. at all. It, I don't feel degraded. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's good. Uh, but yeah, so I think that can be a helpful way to think uh, through this whole issue of hierarchy, gifts better than one another. Yeah, so okay. that's what I say. Yeah, I think that's a. I mean, this is going on on a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think that's a good way to look at hierarchy in general, mm-hmm. even though it's not as direct. Yeah. It's still important. Right, sure. Like even in marriage, yeah, we talked in episode two about the headship 
of a husband, mm-hmm. right? So hierarchy, it's there yeah. again, but again. The Bible definitely does not shy away from hierarchy. No. So. And I don't think we should either. Absolutely. But that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. <laughs> <laughs> An important note to make because the yeah. idea that hierarchy is evil is pervasive mm-hmm. in society and, it, and even church. And it applies to a bunch of different subjects like here in mm. our marriage episode. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, with that little rabbit trail <laughs> conclusion. Sure. <laughs> I think that wraps up all of our questions and topics for this episode. Fantastic. So, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for having a conversation with me, Joshua. Happy to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And if anyone wants to talk to us, we're still waiting for those DMs. (laughs) So slide on in. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to hear from anyone who's listening. Anyone at all, even if we know you, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just comments about things you like, things you didn't like, questions Think- you have, topics you want, like the, the range of things you could say to us. It's pretty rough. <laughs> just don't be mean. <laughs> just don't be mean. <laughs> so you can find us on Instagram at Grounds and Leaves Podcast. And yeah, let us know what you think. But on that note, this has been Grounds and Leaves Theology. Keeping you grounded in the Bible. When others leave the faith. <laughs>